Hello, everybody. This is Dwayne Newsitter, Tony Trestles, and joining us today on Tree Actions, the Human Forestry Podcast, is none other than Tim Reynolds. And Tim, you know, I have owe you a debt of gratitude, you and Tony, actually, because when you asked me to join your podcast, the podcast that's yet to be named, and that's officially now its name, um, you know. I'd never done a podcast. I'd never been into podcasts and I listened to that and I was, I just, and I, I shared it with people and it just, it got me thinking. And I thought, you know, I started out wanting to do one for the business to keep our guys connected. And after the very first one, it, it quickly evolved into something more than that. And it's really been organic process and, you know, where it's kind of growing sort of how it is. And here we are. I don't know, Tony, what have we got? I don't know how we've done now. A few, like twenty. Yeah, we're in. I think we're in the twenties so. already. And this, and just uh, this is also a dual podcast. See, this episode will also go on the podcast that is yet to be named. Yeah. That way, I don't have to. That way, I save work. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I thought it would be kind of fun. Um, I just thought it'd be fun to do because you know Tim and I host yes. the podcast is yet to be named, and and Dwayne's been a a, a guest co-host on there as well too, and I thought it'd just be kind of fun to blend them all together, and uh, and I don't know if Tim's arbor story would have ever come up on the podcast that is yet to be named, like his you know his tree history. So I just thought this would be a good way to to do that, right? Yeah. So that's that's the like tree history of people and experience in. Uh, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you, because we, we, we're, the whole thing is starting off a little bit different because it's a unique episode and it's going to be a very special episode, I have no doubt. But what we always, it's the Human Forestry Podcast. So basically it's where tree people gather and talk and listen to one another, share their experiences, not only uh, professionally in trees, but personally and how trees have affected your life personally as well as professionally. And, and where it goes, where it goes. But we always kind of kick things off with people describing how their journey began, how their, where their seed germinated in the human forest and how it began to grow. Well, I mean, you could go, you could go so many places with that, right? Like I could start well, with like my it. actual <laughs> germination of my life or uh, <laughs> germination yeah. of experience in arboriculture and uh yeah i would Correct. say the the first thing that comes to mind when i think of that is when i was a little kid uh i, I was homeschooled and i spent all of my time in the woods all of it i just was out in nature all the time. and i had three older brothers and my mom used to have a dog whistle that she would whistle so we could hear like a mile away we would know it was time to come home for a meal you know, we were just wow off in the woods all the time. And uh, she used to make jokes that she would never see us and we wouldn't come home if it wasn't for food. Like we just, <laughs> you know, so I mean, even now looking back, I, I'm like, oh, it just was a different time. Uh, you know, it was like the early 90s and I would be like, I was pretty young, you know, you're pretty yeah. young to be by myself and disappearing in the woods. Uh but it was definitely the most connected and sense of just just where I wanted to spend all my time when I was a kid. It's just out in nature, out in the woods, you know. Uh, and then I, my path kind of diverted a little bit. Uh, even in my teenage years, I spent a lot of time in the woods, but it was a lot more like 
in the woods drinking beer and you know eating psychedelics and getting weird <laughs> woods and it was less just to spend time in the woods you know uh but yeah i would say that's where i got a lot of that's where i first first started to grow into the forestry business yeah you know it's funny we've had a few people on the show that that a very similar experience that you know their first recollection isn't even with arboriculture yet you know everyone we've had on the show thus far you know has that history but uh when they think about it it started long before they ever actually picked up a rope or a pair of pruners or a handsaw you know mm-hmm. uh, and, and and it, it, it's it. The, I'm always fascinated how someone chooses to where they go when when they when they're asked that question. But uh, uh, along those lines, when when like when did it when do you when did it transition into you actually say, hey, I could actually make money doing this? <laughs> well, I, I make jokes uh, with people that I uh, am just getting paid to be a big kid now because when I was yeah. a kid, I was climbing trees. My mom has stories that. Uh, I think I was probably five or six and there was like this 75 foot spruce tree in the backyard and I climbed all the way to the top and she came out and I was like, Hey mommy, look at me. And she's like, Oh my, oh my gosh. Okay. Show me how you get down. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just climb down, you know, so now that I get paid professionally to climb trees, like I did when I was a kid, I mean, there's a little bit more sweat and, and grit in it now than there was. Um, but I really lucked out, man. I wasn't, <clears throat> In the beginning, I didn't realize how fortunate I was for the experience and the people that I was around. So uh, my brother, which you both know, Matt Reynolds, he uh, yeah. he was he started working for a company in Connecticut and became a climber and was climbing here for a few years. And he moved to California. Uh, and then my father got in a motorcycle accident. And this is one of those things where now looking back, my it changed the course of my entire life. Like my father's accident changed the whole course of my life. And I don't know where I would be. I wonder like where I would have ended up because I was just working at a, a hunting dog website and training hunting dogs. And it wasn't like a passion or anything. It was just a job, you know, and uh, just doing it just to do it, you know, and I did all kinds of other things. And I wrote a shovel and a hole for an excavation company for, a year, you know, just all kinds of stuff. But then my father gets in a motorcycle accident. Matt moved home and none of his friends would hire him. He was trying to get a job and all of them were like, no, 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 you should be a sub. You should be a subcontractor. And uh, and he's like, I don't really want to own a business and I'm not trying to do that. So he started subcontracting and, you know, quickly after being back for a year or two, he ended up buying a truck and chipper and he had a job and asked me if I would, uh, come out and help out for the day and just drag brush. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. whatever. You know, so I went out and <laughs> it was a terrible job on a uh, on a lake. So obviously it's uphill both ways to the chipper uh, and back. So it's just this nasty hill. And uh, a friend of his, Dan Wise, uh, came out who owned a, a local company as well. He came out and was helping and saw me work for the day. And then after working for the day, like a couple of days later, he called me and offered me a job and asked me if I would be interested in doing some tree work with him. And I was like, yeah, you know what? This sounds a little bit more promising than what I'm doing. You know, so I took him up on the offer and I didn't uh, at the time, like I knew, but I didn't realize how fortunate I was because that year he had won the New England tree climbing championship and was actually in a few weeks, a couple months after I started there, he was heading to Australia 
for the international competition. It was the year that it was uh, in Australia, I think. And he, um, I worked for just a couple months and then he asked me if I wanted to try climbing and he set a rope up in his backyard and taught me how to footlock. So the first time I ever sent it up a tree, I just footlocked and I did it pretty well the first time. And then he put me in a tree and it, it clicked for me. I was like, Oh, okay. And just because of my, uh, athletic abilities and climbing and I've always kind of been a rock climber and stuff. I just took to it and was like, Oh, this is cool. And, uh, yeah, from there, just off to the races. It's interesting. You know, we, we had uh, Wenda Lee. I think you know Wenda. Uh, she, she, she's she been a competitor, and, and she was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. She describes the, the experience when she, you know, first it was like this amazing experience when she got up in the tree. It was just something clicked. It was and she just knew this, this is it. Like she just could feel it. And it was, it was that experience of being in the canopy and in the tree itself, you know, uh, on rope. It sounds similar to what you had. It is interesting. So, you know, I, I, I didn't realize that. I didn't know, uh, that your, so your father wasn't in the tree care business. He just got hurt and couldn't work. Yeah. Well, so he got a motorcycle accident and then was in ICU for, six weeks like in a coma and it was rough oh, like wow. you know, it was touch and go for a while so then matt ended up wanting to be closer to the family and it took almost a year for my dad to get out of hospitals and rehab centers wow. and, and stuff but yeah so matt is the one that really uh got me into the industry and matt would come and work with us sometimes so i got to spend some time with him and um and then just as far as the beginning like so blessed to have been learning from somebody who had such a high level of skill and safety yeah. was like priority. There was no, like, I just thought that's how you learned. And this is how tree work operated. And it wasn't until a few years later, I became a subcontractor and I started to see how other companies operate and that it is not always standard practice to just have a helmet on or wear <laughs> or hearing protection right. chipper right. or perhaps right. under running a saw or any of these things that were just like the way I learned. I'm like, this is just how you do it, you know? Interesting. So uh, how, how do you, how would you, uh, I, I'm sure you, I'm, I'm excited kind of anticipating, which I shouldn't do your response to this, but how, how, do you draw parallels or do you see parallels in, in working with trees and just being with trees and, and in, in how it can, it can teach you lessons of life or help you in, in your, in your own personal life is besides, you know, just making a living in the trees. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's, yeah, for sure. We could probably spend, you know, the rest of the day, we could probably spend hours and hours making uh the parallels and the connections between uh, mm -hmm. all the analogies that you, you could take from trees. And yeah, you know. yeah. one thing though, that I found that uh, a practice that I already uh, had in my life before I started in trees is doing one thing at a time. Right. You know, the whole yeah. kind of mentality of one day at a time and yeah, yeah. Uh, taking tasks one experience at a time and not becoming super overwhelmed and being really present in the moment, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but I'm assuming, you know, uh, 
you're doing a big takedown or a big prune of a giant tree and you get up there and you start looking around at the whole tree and you go, oh, right. this is going to take forever. There is so much work. I am so overwhelmed with the amount of stuff, like especially on a takedown, you start looking at wood and limbs and you're trying to figure out yeah. rigging points and there's just this giant puzzle and your mind is like, what am I, how and what is this going to, I have no idea. Yeah, and then, yeah, oh, yeah. wait a second, where are my feet right now? My feet are on this branch. Where does yeah. there need to be a rigging point? Okay, I'll put that. What's what's the first branch that has to come down? What makes the most sense for just one branch? It's got one branch to do. I'm just going to do that. And then, you know what? I'm working on this one leader. I just got this one leader. It doesn't matter that there's 10 more behind. Whatever. You know, I'm working this one leader. Just hanging yeah. out. Just, and being present in that experience. And next thing you know, you're on the ground. Could be two days later, you know, after a couple of days of having to go up there, but just that being completely present and just taking it, whatever's right in front of you, just being present with that experience and taking it one limb at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time. And the rest of the tree doesn't matter. It's just right where I'm at, you know, just what do I got to do? How do, how do you think trees in there, you know, j just do that for us? In, in just like either growing where they are in the forest or in the landscape, like, is there ways, you know, you're, you know, it, not just during a removal process, but how trees might uh, convey certain lessons or similar lessons to us in life just, just by existing. Yeah. Well, I mean, just by existing and then learning what I have in arboriculture about, uh, you know, the mycelium and just like the way that everything is interacting and flowing and being a part of one working system and no tree stand, no tree stands alone. You know, like no. there's so many other unseen things that are happening there that are holding mm -hmm. that tree together, that it's all thriving and jiving together. And it's, a, yeah. and I actually, it's just you can obviously see it a bit more in the forest by like looking at like fungal webs and how all that works but i think that there's some unseen force between all of us right now and every human being there's a connection and there's a web that holds all of us together and uh i think there's like universal truths like that you know like the forest is just a big ecosystem and it's all working together and all the forests are working together and i yeah. And I see that same, I feel that same level of connectedness to the trees. When I'm out there, I'm, I know that they're aware that I'm there. I know right. that they know that I'm, I'm walking through the forest and that I'm breathing the same air and participating. And there's a mutual respect that I feel between uh, trees and all the plants and everything that's happening out there. And then I feel that same thing when I'm conscious, when I'm in a conscious place, when I'm at the grocery store, I see that too. You know, and I can right. find sometimes when I'm disconnected, when that person is walking real slow with their cart in front of me and they're in my way, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. This is my grocery store, I got, you know, like I got places to yeah. be. And then I realized like, this is just another expression. And this person is just as connected to that yeah. universal force as I am. Like we are all in this together and having that same experience, you know? Oh, I know exactly. And, and that's, <laughs> that. It, you know, I, I I don't know if I'm the only one that does this, but I know I'm certainly guilty of it. I can readily accept and admit it. Is that I, you know, I 
you know, there's sometimes I'll ask this kind of question and then, and, and I, I, you gave the exact answer I kind of would love to hear. It's not always that I get that. And it's okay because it leads us in a, in a different direction, but, but, uh, there is no such thing as a bad or wrong answer, but I just totally feel exactly the same way. And, and that there's, you know, it's why I kind of get tickled and I always kind of chuckle when I say the human forestry podcast because mm. I just think there, and it is so connected and, and it, it goes, you know, as you start to think about the model that exists in the forest and even in the urban forest and how when, whenever they can, they join and connect and work together. It is such an example of, of really the whole planet is, is, is unified that way. Right. And all of us, you know, and I think, I don't know. I, I think I certainly for myself, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time not realizing the impact or power or the, the effect that I have in, in how I live and how I do things. You know, uh, you, you, you minimize, you know, and you, you, you make choices that, that take that, that ability to think away from you, you know, and, and, uh, you lose, you can lose that connection sometimes, but sometimes you're lucky enough to find your way back to it, you know, and, uh, it's, uh, I think more and more people, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it, we were just having this conversation, a similar conversation with Todd Kramer an hour ago. And I went, I wonder if, if, uh, if it's part of the age we are, the age our trees are in the forest that we're thinking more like this, but it seems to me, and it could just be my awareness, but it seems like there's more people aware of this concept these days. Is that something, is that just us or is it actually happening? What I think is happening is that people have become, so, I don't know when, I don't have like times, but uh, I'm going to say for a while now, for maybe for a generation or two, uh, people have really started to view ourselves separate. There's nature and then there's us, right? There's the yeah. four. And then there's us, you know, like we're not, uh, like we're not a part of it anymore. Like we're a separate thing and we're observing the earth, you know, and we're observing right. this ecosystem when in reality we're in it, we're observing yeah. it from the inside. So yeah. there's a longing, I think, inside human beings to reconnect to that or to wake up to the reality of the connection that we are a part of this thing. And I yeah. think that the, the absence of that for a long time and the industrialization and all the modern things and the star link that we were just talking about before it started. And, you know, the, <laughs> like we, we kind of, it's, it's easy to begin to forget that you are part of this whole thing. Like we're a part of the earth. We're part of the forest, this whole ecosystem and this spider web of connection and, and like underlining underlying force of spirit that's out there. We're a part of that and it's starting to express itself and people are people like I think the worldwide consciousness is starting to uh, wake up to that desire and more people are going out. There's things like, you know, forest bathing, right? Like mm -hmm. that wasn't a thing in our history. It was like, that's how you lived, you know, and I spend so much time like I'm out working in the trees and when I come home, I'm back out in the woods. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm out hunting and, you know, like, I, I know you share this too. Like when I'm out hunting and I'm up in a tree stand, my, I just love it. I am so happy yeah. to be sitting out there and watching the fox play and the bear roll through and the deer come in. And like, I am just yeah. so in love with the process of being out there. 
and watching yeah. this come up and be in the presence of nature and experiencing myself through it is just such an incredible thing. So I think that that's, I think there was a disconnect for a long time and there's a lot of people that are waking up and acknowledging that deep inner longing to be a part of that again. I, I agree. You know, and I, I think as you know, I've, I've pondered it and, and, you know, you mentioned Starlink and we were talking about that earlier. I think, you know, in some ways, it almost has helped me anyway, not just Starlink, but things, even even the pandemic, you know, how like it forced me if I wanted to connect to use a different medium, a medium that I would not have ordinarily used. And what it did is it expanded a, a meaningful contact with people like a far greater distance than I would normally, I would normally travel to go see people at a far off place. Not like I'm talking like in Ireland, for example, from Canada versus, I wouldn't think that I would have regular interaction with someone in another country like that. But, but the pandemic brought that, which also accelerated probably the need to have this internet connection, which somehow for me is all of a sudden it's like, okay, well now it's not just the planet. Like I'm actually expanding it into the cosmos and the stars, you know, it's like other worlds potentially. And even opening up my mind to the concept of there's probably these entities that, are much more like us than we think that have been watching us and are trying to care for us, but don't want to you know the whole Star Trek model, but we can't give them too much technology too fast. And uh, like, but that's actually within the scope of my realm of possibility and thinking now, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, of course there's a bit more to it than that, that we'll probably get to in this conversation. But what do you think? Like it, it just blows your, it just, it just barriers just expand and, and the limits are removed. Well, another thing that's cool is I've experienced it over the phone, but to feel that sense of connection like that the three of us have right now, yeah. and there's thousands of miles in between us, yeah. and, it's, and I don't think that I'm necessarily connecting to you through this, like through the internet right now. I think that there's no. actually a physical connection that's happening, and it doesn't matter the distance. Yep. You know, well, so. it's, it, exactly, and it's I think the the this particular model like like for example the internet if you will but and the wireless connection that's that's coming into being like how can it move so fast and that we are you know if if it's possible to send the data like this image and the sound over this distance why isn't it the same thing capable why hasn't it been happening all along where our our heart energy and our mind energy and our soul's energy is even that much more powerful and that much more quick or able to make that connection. And and I think what the phone started to do and now what the internet's starting to do is it's it's showing us that and I think that, that connection's always been there and it's somehow been lost. Like that you want to call it tele- telepath tele- telepathy or whatever. Like but that we're able to actually communicate like you you hear about this where someone, you know, there's a disturbance in the force, so to speak, you know, and and you know the time when you get a phone call a day later that that, that time the day before someone had an injury or uh, something wonderful happened and you actually felt it energetically, right? And I think there's a lot more reality to that. And we're, we've been, maybe we're starting to become, through the technology, ironically, becoming more aware of that possibility and that we can, we don't even, we're going to need Zoom. Zoom will just be like, you know, we'll just tune in 
intellectually possibly one day, you know, and that's what is actually happening now. The energy that you speak of, I feel it exactly. And it, it isn't because, I mean, the, this is just creating the portal that we always have had at our disposal. But, but even now we're, we're confined to feeling it so directly because we're in this moment together, looking at one another and, and talking to one another. But if, but, but we haven't quite yet, or I haven't quite yet figured out how to do it absent of this venue, but maybe it's there too. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, one of the things, so I have some of my first experiences with spirituality in the way that I now believe in practice. And yeah. some, there was a lot, there was a lot in my early twenties of experiences where you're like, Whoa, that was crazy. <laughs> but I remember I was taught that if you think of someone, if someone pops into your mind, it's, uh, I'll use the word God just because it yeah. kind of sums it up, but you know, whatever, higher power, universe, yeah. Yeah. Eternal, yeah. whatever it is. But so if you think of someone, it's God nudging you to call them. And uh-huh. if, uh, if it's not like, that's if it's like an appropriate, like you're not at work and being dishonest by, you know, cheating your boss out of the time by being on the phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or it's boss, I'm sorry, I gotta make this call. God told me yeah, to. Yeah, God just told me to, right? And you might have that cool boss, and that's awesome, right? Or like if it's <laughs> like an, an unhealthy ex-girlfriend or like an old drug dealer or something like that, maybe, maybe then you don't call them, you know. But if it is one of those people, then you pray for them. But if you uh-huh. think of them, if you think of them and you can't call them and you call them. I can't tell you how many wild experiences that I had when I would think of somebody and I would grab the phone and I would call them. And I have no, at this point, I have no problem calling. I haven't talked to somebody in 10 years. I'm cold calling them, whatever, you know, like, and I've had people be like, who told you to call me? And I'm like, uh, no, I just thought of you, man. And this is just kind of what I do. And I think of somebody, I call them there. They'll be in like this situation that they're stuck and something's going on and they're about to make this big life decision. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'm calling them or, you know, and sometimes it seems like nothing's going on with them, but then you never know that butterfly effect of how and where things are going to lead from that point or what influence and impact that you've had. So, uh, that whatever that force is, and it's the same force where you're, and I, and I pretty think I'm pretty much think everyone has had this experience. You're driving down the road and you think of a friend and then like 20 seconds later, they call you and you're like, what was that? What is that? How is that? Like, I don't understand. Like, you know, so that really has influenced my belief in that underlying connectedness is following through when I feel that little nudge to call somebody or pray for somebody. And then later I find out that when I was praying for them or thinking, sending them positive energy or vibes or something that they were in a particular situation where they needed that. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe I heard the term from you uh, like that, you like they're set. They you could call them coincidences, but maybe the more god incidences is was that you your turn? Uh, I mean, I didn't make it up, but I've heard that. Uh, so okay, here's one of my favorite lines. Here's if you take that a little bit further, that I yeah. really, really love is what, uh, so what is it? So, what some call, um, coincidence. Few call synchronicity, we call it skill. Wow, skill. And you bring up a, a, that's interesting. You say that because as you were talking, 
I, I got to thinking that practice, you know, that the concept of practice, what and meaning like doing it regularly. It's like training or uh, drilling a skill. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes and the better you become at it. And that's, I think, what you're getting at in that comment, right? And and like you say now, you, you so-called cold call people, but it isn't really even cold calling because you know there's probably something. You know, I think as humans we want to, or I should say as humans, for myself, I want to always give myself a way out potentially by saying, well, I'm – I was led to, but but if, like maybe I'll get to the point with practice where I'll be able to say, you know what, I energetically was pulled to call you, and I think there was a reason for it, so I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, give it a shot. You'll have people be like, "Wow, okay, yeah." You know, just yeah, you'll have, yeah. you'll have some cool experiences. Yeah, that that's uh, it's definitely uh, practice. You know, there, there there's there's such a reward that comes with practice and diligence with the discipline, you know, and I guess discipline's part of that, you know, and obedience. I always, the word obedience keeps coming to my mind a lot lately. And, um, you know, we haven't, there's a couple podcasts ago. I asked the question of, of someone, uh, I can't remember who it was about, I think it was rip actually, you know, what their, what their take on it is that, like in this business of arbor culture, I don't know if it's any different than any other business, but, you know, I know it certainly affected me and, and there's others that it's affected, but the whole, you know, when you, when you lack this connection or you're not, or you're looking for it or you're not sure about it and, and then you experience something as cool as being in the trees and you, you get this taste of, I don't know what the word is, this esoteric taste of the spiritual realm and doing something that's so cool and fun and, and exciting that, you know, it, it can lead into, experimentation or even, you know, other substance of use. And it's almost like they're connected and, and that that's part of this business almost. And, and it's somewhat prevalent. What, well, I know some of your personal journey, but, but uh, you know, what you and I have that in common now, and we talk about that and I think it, it, it really flows into this whole topic. Yeah. So what, what's your, what's your question on that? Like, what, like, um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I guess, you know, um, well, I, I mean, I suppose there's, there's no point in beating around the bush, I guess you could say, you know, my, my journey of recovery and, and how I, I got to that place of, of, uh, needing to find my way mentally, physically, and socially and spiritually to a place of healing. And, uh, you know, I think examples of it always were, in the human forest, but, uh, it's made it more, I, I have more awareness around it and, and, and I have the ability to feel more of that connection by, by not, you know, someone, it's best probably put this way. Spirit is another term for alcohol and one of the original terms. And uh, I heard it said one time that it, it, it basically simulates the type of connection we can feel when we actually are spiritually connected. And it was, a, but it's a, it's only a facsimile. It's not, it's, the, it's low not the real, it's not the real thing. And when you transcend into being able to connect for real, it even magnifies the other experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the way it was explained to me is like alcohol is the low road to God. You know, it's like, okay. 
it's it, you still get to the same place, but the problem is is that it's depleting. It, and it it pulls it pulls like you go to that place because as a human being, I have a deep longing for connection, right. and I want to be in that place. If you had told me when I was if you had told me when I was fifteen when I was out there partying and doing drugs and whatever, like, Hey man, you're just like, you're actually looking to connect with a higher power and like, you're looking yeah. for and you want to experience God through other people. And that's actually what's happening when you're taking these psychedelics. I would have been like, you know, like, fuck off. But now looking back and the experience that I've had uh, in, you know, uh, recovery and, you know, that whole journey is that's really what I was looking for. And that's what all people are looking for is that deep longing and sense of connection. And uh, I think in arboriculture, it's a really beautiful thing because you can't work around trees and you can't work in like the human forest right. in that way without no. being aware on, in, on some level of that presence and connection. I'm sure exactly. there's people that are out there partying real hard and tree work's just a job and they're out there dragging brush and sweating their ass off and stuff and chippers and maybe they're not very conscious. But the more conscious someone becomes, the less rewarding I think that uh, things like alcohol on a regular basis to excess uh, appeal to them. You know, I think kind of the further into that journey, the more like I have some dear friends that are, you know, like that we're all friends with that talk about that. And they're like, yeah, it's like the more time goes on, I find it less and less like appealing to me to get into that place. And I can actually get to what I used to long for in just uh, a calm moment on the beach or standing in the woods or being around friends who I love and having that experience, you know. And another thing that I've had the beautiful opportunity to experience is working on a crew of other conscious people mm. and, you know, uh, getting a job done. And this is one of the things when Matt and I used to work, we worked together for about 10 years, man, the beautiful conversations and the connect, like, especially now with the Cena's and you got the Bluetooth on yeah. and we're like, yeah. you know, I'm hanging off a crane, but I'm like talking about prayer and meditation <laughs> you know, or like, yeah. or just like yeah. stupid dick jokes and stuff, but still yeah. like yeah. the ability to, <laughs> Uh, you know, all the, the wood and all the crotches and stuff. Like we go down some yeah, rabbit yeah. there, you know, but uh, <laughs> the ability to be around other conscious people and build community in that way, like in your business and with the other people that are passionate about the same thing and, you know, finding more deeper connection. Yeah. You know, you make a really good point. You know, I think, you know, when you first get involved with that, and clearly, obviously, for most of us, it's it's typically at a younger age. You know, when when you're you got nothing but energy and and time, it feels like, you know. But but it, over time, uh, and not even you don't even have to be that old to realize that it it, it changes. Like that low road uh, doesn't have doesn't offer the same fulfillment, and you're you're you know you're chasing something. And then, you know, you find something like a, like the tree care industry and, and just by virtue of the work that it is, it, it, it fills a lot of that. It, it, it feeds a lot of that. But if you continue like I did to, to, to self-medicate and try to find your way through your own means, um, you know, it, it starts to have a bit of a hollow ring and, uh, you know, you lose that, that you even start to lose that connection with the trees. You know, I'm finding the, the longer that I, that I practice 
being present and, and practice, you know, practice recovery, I, I experience almost like a new sense of, of, uh, enjoyment in, in old things, you know, and things that, that, that had, yeah, I put even things I didn't even realize that I lost the, the joy of, you know, like, like, and, and, and personality traits that I used to have that I remember having and go, wow. And, you know, things start coming back. It's like rejuvenation, you know. <laughs> I got popped, but now my, my regrowth is starting to take the form of a canopy again. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, a, it's like a rebirth, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. also been having an experience recently. So in my journey of arboriculture, uh, man, I, I kind of – like the wind got taken out of my sails like a year ago. You know, I just okay. – I built a bit like me and my brother finally decided to par- like we were going to we partnered we got so busy and we built got all this equipment and stuff and uh and it kind of like one of the things that I love about arboriculture is that it's afforded me the life that I have and the deep freedom to be like to, in life to kind of come and go like please and do these jobs that I really enjoy and and what happened for me and this isn't for everybody but having employees and trying to build this like big, like a bigger business and partner and all this responsibility that came with it, man, my free spirit started to really suffer. And I was like, not having a good time for a little bit. And I was like, man, this isn't, uh, this is what I signed up for here, you know? And then it started like, and then that connection and relationship that I had with my brother started to suffer and we were on different pages. And I like, we ended up deciding like, this is like, we tried it for a year and a half. We had a panic, like escape button. And we were like, let's push the button. Let's do it. Like, we don't have to do this. It's not worth our relationship or any of these experiences. And for a minute I was like, man, I, I don't know if that's like, do I even want to do this anymore for a little bit? Cause my body was responding to the negative experience that I was having, like just taking that path. And I was like having some consequences physically uh, just was like, I don't know if I can hang in here doing this anymore. But then in the last six months or so, I've gotten back into it and I have just been doing the jobs that I really enjoy, taking care of the clients okay. that I've had for forever, going out and yeah. for friends. And I'm smiling all day and it's like the joy came back to it. And I've been having this deep sense of gratitude for the trade and the experience and the ability to go out and do these things and it's really shifted uh like just from last year to be like i don't know if i can do this anymore like this it's not fun and i don't want to spend my life doing something that's not fun like why would you do that you know and to now be in the joy of it is just been there's just been this deep sense of gratitude about having that skill you know well, and it's interesting that you had the awareness and the um, that you gave yourself the permission, you know, you and your brother. Like that's, I think, a lot of people, even myself. I think there was a time period in my life where you feel obligated or trapped. You somehow feel you're going to be less than, or you know, and maybe other people can relate to that in their businesses now, like in your job and your career, and maybe you know, e- even whatever it is, you know, I think it's important. And, and you're giving the example of you, we always have choice. We always have options. And when you, you know, I think the minute you think you don't is when you really need to stop back, step back and have a look at things because it's, it's almost, I think it gets back to that energetic thing we were talking about. And when you're feeling that something's trying to, but we got it blocked. Like we, there's, you know, it's like, 
there, there's something blaring at us, but you're so focused on something else. You just can't, you can't believe you missed it later, but you, you, you could spend years missing it, you know, and, and, and you did, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't stay in the fog for too long. You know, you found your way out. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because when we finally had the conversation, you know, my brother came over and he was like, Hey, listen, man, like we, he just came over, we had the talk and he was like, this isn't working. And I hadn't really thought of it before. But as soon as you said it, I went, oh, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too, man. I didn't even know. Like, yeah, let's, let's not do this, man. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is not what I want. I have so much. Like, I also am not just uh, in arboriculture. I'm also like a professional rock guide. So I'm taking people rock climbing. So I'm just in a whitewater rafting guide. So I'm like also, I'm in nature all kinds of other ways. And I'm like, I just want to do all the other, I want to do everything. I want to do all the things. And it's like, I can't live inauthentically, man. It like just freaking when I'm not following, living to my truth and like, and listening to that feeling and speaking to that, it's like my body physically won't let me not listen. It's like, you are not going to sit in this place for very long. You, it's like, this is too miserable, which is a blessing. I mean, at first it feels like a curse when you're feeling that discomfort, but then when you, are forced to listen and then the freedom and the connection and like the that mighty purpose and rhythm takes over it's yeah it <laughs> the mighty purpose and rhythm yeah that's uh you know what it's interesting because trees don't have the luxury of deciding for a while they're gonna you know an oak's gonna say well i don't like this i want to try something else like they're they find what they need and, and gather what they need in place and seemingly don't complain i don't know that they have the capacity for that but you know uh and, and I think the trees themselves are that, you know, you could take the whole from, you know, there's trees, probably most of us know in our life, what, not necessarily the trees that we worked on, but trees that are special to us for whatever reason. And they're, they're big and they're old than they were when we first met them. And they're going to be that way long after we're gone, you know? And I think that's, that's another unique thing uh, that trees bring to us is that sense of space and uh longevity or faithfulness something like that you know yeah they definitely hold that there's just something so calming about uh being around them there's a lot of times where i'm on a hike or i see like a big old hemlock tree or a big old tree in the woods and i'll literally just walk by and i'll put my hand out and i'm like what's up buddy yeah yeah i literally talk to it like it's just someone it's like the presence itself all trees have that, but there's particular like special trees like you were talking about that I'll go over and like sometimes I have to beeline it off the trail it over and I'm like, hey, what are you doing over yeah. here? You know, like yeah. someone's, they think I'm a crazy person, but see, I'm like, huh, look at you over here well, all big. Exactly. And I think it, I, I, once again, and th- this is where for me it gets a little weird and maybe we're going to lose some people on this one, but. You know, I, I, I do believe that, you know, energy is what we're talking about, you know, that connection, whether it be from, you know, the internet through here or the energy that we feel, you know, the, the, the group consciousness, you know, the, the spirit that flows around us is energy and it flows in the trees. You know, we're all made up of the same thing. So as we expand this concept of being connected, I think it's just a matter of the portals that exist. There, there's so many portals and like and and it's so interesting where people find it in forests in oceans on beaches in prairies in in water water is always a big part of it too right 
And, and they're all so interconnected in the mountains, in the sky. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, the earth, fire, water, wind kind of concept, right? Like, um, and every one of those holds an energetic portal that we can connect with. And it doesn't have to be, uh, soulful with a human in the sense. It can be soulful with something like a tree, even a mountain. I believe, I feel, you know, I love the mountains as well. Like I, when I was young, I always said life's a mountain, not a beach, you know. A thought popped into my head. It's a bit of a different topic, but I think that this would be a great place to have uh, the conversation. Just if if you've noticed this as well. And I wonder how much, uh, if there's any consciousness in this happening, you know. Uh, so... I, I'm sure both of you have been parts of many storms and have helped clean up trees that have ripped in half around houses and just, you know, wild things like that. But I want to say probably either eight times out of 10 or nine times out of 10, a tree, when I get a phone call that a tree ripped down during a storm, it could not have fallen any more perfectly to miss a house, to miss a car, to miss whatever and just be propped up perfectly and caused almost no damage and just be this massive, I mean, I've pulled trees out of houses with cranes and all kinds of stuff, right? So they, they go through houses, you know, that happens. But for whatever reason, it seems to be some true, like some physics or something is happening where yeah, yeah. tree, they don't, it's, they fall will be perfect. And it's almost like they chose to yeah. land in a particular way of you're like, how did that even happen to like, didn't even knock the flowers over in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I can, I'm, 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 I'm tripping that brush. You know, it's, uh, it is, it is one, you know, I even I remember, uh, one time, uh, there was a, I heard from a crew that the, the tree had gone through the house, but stopped like right like the guy had to crawl out from under the tree from his bed, but it didn't touch him, you know? And of course, you know, you know, you can explain it away in physics and beams and it was just luck and all that. But it happens, you know, I remember when I was on the track panel, one of the, we, you know, we discussed, you know, because it's tree risk, right? So what is the risk trees pose? Well, and the fact is it, it, for the amount of trees and people that cohabit, the amount of injuries and especially fatalities that happen is is shockingly low mm. for the amount that they they cohabit, right? And is that a coincidence? Well, I mean, I mean that's it. That's the big debate. But I don't, you know, they are living things, and and I don't think it's as uh, coincidence as, as we might think. Yeah, I've just seen I've seen it so many times where I'm like it will fall perfectly between the house and the barn and the car and the mailbox and just be like touching nothing. And you're like, how did that, what? <laughs> and for that to be more of the rule than the exception is just an interesting observation after years and years of cleaning up stuff like that. Well, and how about this? How about um, it, there being an energetic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? reason or that there's an energetic causal effect on the uh 
because of the the uh, the vibrations that exist between the people in and around the tree and the tree itself. Mm. You know, like could that be possible? Not that not to suggest that trees pick favorites or anything like that, but it's just it's just they're aware of their presence, so they uh, that's why it happens. Maybe I don't know. Like, and we're getting into the weeds for sure, but it's it's interesting stuff, and I I think there's a lot more to it than. If you have space for it, I think there's a lot more to it than we're aware of. And I think that that's something that's growing, you know, in the world, so to speak. No, next time somebody's uh, house gets crushed by a tree, I'm going to be like, you're a bad person. What do you got going on? <laughs> <laughs> Why is this happening? <laughs> but, that, but see, that's what I mean. I don't think it's about the trees saying, you're bad. I don't care if I crush you. Yeah. It's the it's the energetic that they're not even aware or there's not that energetic connection to even realize they're avoiding it. They don't know. Or mm. now that's I know I, I'm getting weird, but but you you started it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. I was like, we might be going into the weeds here a little bit. It's probably something that I've thought of and experienced, and I'm sure like the other tree people listening to this will, um, yeah, will relate. Another thing that I think is a really beautiful. Uh, experience uh, in the community that we spend time in is the competitions. Mm, and yes. I mean, we can get into the, the weeds on, you know, uh, the, the politics of it all, but the experience of gathering like-minded tree people and the community that happens when you're at a tree climbing competition or, you know, it also happens at some of the expos and trade shows and stuff like that. But man, the competitions, when you're around, like everyone who has ever come to watch or participated or anything always comments on like how unlike any other form of competition it is that they've ever experienced, you know, and man, some of the connection, like, I don't think the three of us would be having a conversation right now if it wasn't for, the climbing comps, you know, like that's how I got linked into so many beautiful people's lives and connections and friendships. And yeah, it's just, is something also that I would strongly encourage anybody who's interested in arboriculture or getting involved and just to go and participate and volunteer or show up and compete and be a part of, and that's really a great way into the community. I agree. And, and it is a very receptive community. I remember, um, just by coincidence flying back from, it was actually the New Zealand Arborist Association. And I was speaking down there and our flight return home stopped in Hawaii. And so we decided to, to stay a week in Hawaii because we were already there kind of thing. But unbeknownst to us, it was the world surfboard championships taking place. The right while we were there, right at the beach where our hotel was. So it was like, it, it just, was absolute fluke. But what I was blown away by, I, I'm sitting there talking to this guy, a surf guy, obviously. And, uh, you know, people, I didn't notice at first, but it became clear to me afterwards what had, what had happened because he's telling me what's going on and what, what they're looking for. And he's just explaining the event to me, like just, you know, cause I don't know. And, uh, then he finally walks away and it's like 10 minutes later, I see him over there and he's being interviewed by TSN and all this stuff. And, some people walked over and said, man, so how do you know? I don't even remember his name. And I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, you, you, you guys were talking. Like, I said, I just asked him what was going on. I said, I don't know anything about this. And he was the current world champion, right? And I'm like, man, this is just like tree climbing competition because anybody could walk into a park, 
you know, watching an event, walk up to, to Mark Chisholm or Bettis or whoever, right? And whoever the, you know, uh, any, whatever champion might be at the time. And, uh, they would talk to him and explain it to them with just like the, you know, and, and that is part of the, the uniqueness of, so I, I do think it exists in other fields, but interestingly enough, surfboard, you know, like they're on the ocean and the connection those people have with the ocean is, I believe, as powerful energetically, spiritually as it is with people in the trees. And here you are with like, when I think of trees and the titans they are in the spiritual realm, I think ocean's right up there with it, right? Oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're like, and they're not rivals, they're complementary. Like, how amazing, you know, each one is. Or, and I haven't been to rock climbing competitions and things like that, but I, I almost have a feeling it'd be very similar. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, I think maybe it's something more about just the community of people that are gathered around uh, the love for a particular set of nature. It doesn't matter yeah. the nature that it is that we're participating with, but I think yeah, it probably is like a, a truth that happens at all these different competitions or just any, I mean, when I'm out wow. rock, when I'm out rock climbing and one of the things that I love about it is if you see somebody else that's out there rock climbing, they're cool. They're going to be a cool yeah. person. Like, yeah. For the most part, you're not going to meet like an asshole that's out there like that who loves to rocks. And yeah, sure. Maybe there's, there's some, you know, whatever, but you know, and it's the same thing when you're out backpacking. You see somebody else that's hiking through the mountains. You're like, ah, this is probably one of my people. You know, like yeah. Yeah. get along and connect because this is, you know, whether it's the fact that we're both have a passion for a shared experience or uh, that they are just engaging and interacting with nature on that level. That it is an interesting concept. Is it more than that? Because. That would really bring that. That is just a that is fascinating, you know, that you mention it like that, Tim. Because what an interesting thing to research or to investigate further, like that. What is it? Is there is there a common thread, and is that common thread the connection to nature and how that connects us all? That's really interesting. Because you're right, and I and and isn't it interesting how many arborists that are that 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 you know, I'll call them real arborists, you know, people that, that stay in the business through the thick and the thin of it. Like, you know, it isn't always fun, but they, they love it enough to stay through it all, even stuffing chippers for a while, you know, all of that stuff. But how many of them enjoy camping, hiking, fishing, hunting, like all the other outdoor pursuits, right? Of course, I mean, it's outdoor work, so it makes sense, but interesting. Yeah, well, I just have that deep sense of gratitude for the ability to do something that I enjoy on that level. And that also affords me a beautiful life. You know, I've been spending some time recently thinking about if, I, you know, cause lots of people look at my life and they think, how do you travel so much? And how, like the life that I live is, it's pretty freaking yeah. pretty dope life, you know? And, yeah, uh, it is, it is. and people say like, how do you do what, like how? And I really been thinking about it recently of, if I was to talk to someone younger or somebody who wanted to live a similar life, it might, my thought would be like, get a skill, like a trade, but then even certain trades, you still wouldn't have the capacity to show up in the way that I do as a contractor or just have a truck and chipper and go out and do jobs when I want. And like in that particular aspect, you know, man, just having a skill like that and being able to afford a life in the way that I do is, 
I've been really been sitting with gratitude with that. It is so wild, like how many times you've spoke to him and it just, I'm thinking the same thing and it just expounds on what I'm thinking of because right when you started sharing, I was thinking, and then you, you basically almost said it, but, but I, I think the people that are involved with those types of sports and or work activities like tree work, even doctors, um, where, where, where you don't have a blueprint or an engineered spec to follow. Like you can't apply a hundred percent engineering specs or physics to trees or to rock climbing or to hiking or to fishing or to hunting. Like there's, there's all these elements that are out of your control and you, and some of it just like, you know, that when that deer, you get the shot at that deer, you get a chance. It's like, it's a gift. It's a blessing. It's luck. It's all of those things. And like, when you decide where to make the cut, when you decide, like you apply knowledge and training, but there's always an element of it that you have to go on a bit of faith and a bit of trust that that wood is going to react like it did last time. And it should all be. And that is a common thread to all of these things we're talking about. And doesn't that give us the ability to live our lives with the element of the unknown being okay with that and the trust of that. And, and, you know, I, when you when everything's engineered and there's a standard to follow on every single thing, maybe that limits the possibilities that we think we can live or how we could live our life, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Well, the thought just popped in my head. I don't know if <laughs> you probably had this experience too. Were you, and maybe it's like what they, the 10,000 hour rule where you become a master of something and you, it kind of becomes thoughtless to do something. But there has been many times where, I mean, it could even be operating a mini skid steer or you're up in a tree and almost without thought, you just take the, put the the notch in there, set it up and don't even think, it's like, you don't even have to think about it. And it just goes perfect. Exactly what, and you couldn't, I couldn't have explained it. And there was no thought process before. Like it just happens like this. You And I think that's part of being in the flow. And when you're really connected and you get into that flow state, and the thinking mind doesn't need to participate anymore is freaking really cool. That is a cool place to, to spend yeah. some time. And, and, you know, it allows you to have the freedom to explore different types of adventures in the same way, like just come from, and like you talked in the very, in the very beginning about being present and having that ability to be so present mm-hmm. and what a gift that is. Well, there's like, and when you're in flow, when you're in that, unconscious consciousness is ultimate presence. It's the same thing with firing that arrow. When you line that shot up and that deer and everything else is quiet and you have nothing but that moment and you have that knot, you have it notched, you have it drawn, you got it lined up. And then you just, without thinking about it, even you like surprise yourself by releasing that arrow at the purpose perfect moment and you watch it and follow it through and it hits right in the vitals and you just, in and you're just completely in presence like that moment that's all there is archery is a great right uh, practice of that you know yeah 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 no you're right you're absolutely right yeah well tony we haven't heard a whole bunch from you with him and i'm just just kind of going off here that's uh you guys been doing fine for the record i don't give the universe that much agency i think it's one big big broken fucking disco ball but that's me (laughs) (laughs) well you know that's all part of it right it it, there is 
and you know, I think that's, that's part of it too, is just having space for whatever, right? You know, like, and, uh, I certainly, I don't think any, I don't think Tim, you feel any different. Like no one has a, a magic, that's the word I'm looking for. No one knows what the hell's going on, right? It's a relax. <laughs> nothing is under control. Right? <laughs> no one's got this. Yeah, no, yeah, no one's got this. Yeah. You know what? That's yeah. like an experience that I actually, and Tony helped me learn this a long time ago when I first started, when I first became a trainer. You know, like, uh, just for instance, when you're a kid, you think of adults and you think like, man, adults have got it all figured out. I don't got to worry about anything, you know? And this is like, there's a, there's a stand up bit about this, but it's like, you think that adults have it all figured out. And then one day you're standing at the grocery store and the kid at the cashier hands you your bags and he goes, here you go, sir. And you realize like, this guy thinks I'm an adult. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> no one has it figured out, you know, like, wait, yeah, who's running yeah. this ship? Like who's driving this thing? You know, yeah. and then I became a trainer and I would go out and I, you know, uh, we're going out in these pretty professional situations where we're about to present in front of 50 people. And I'm like, what are we doing today? Well, I don't know. Well, what, what's the plan? Oh, we'll figure it out when we get out there. And I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, just put this mic on and get on stage. And I'm like, oh my, oh my god, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, but then everybody else, they, nobody knows, nobody has any idea that we just like totally put this thing together up here. And like, yeah, we have like the underlying fundamental skills to show up and facilitate in a particular way. But when you start realizing that, like, everybody's just out here, you're like, kind of winging it and making it work. Uh, you know, from a particular skill set, but you, uh, you get a different perspective on the world and how it's operating. You know, Tony, I've heard you, I, I agree, Tim. I, I, I'm, I'm fixated on Tony's comment about the disco ball. I, cause I've heard you say it many times, but I've never asked you about it or elaborate on it. Like what, what is the analogy in that view? Like, like besides, the concept, the idea of mirrors reflecting all sorts of weird light and shit like that. What, what, what's that? I wrote an essay on it called The Universe is a Fucked Up Broken Disco Ball. I'll send it to you. But in essence, um, the, the idea started, I always thought, you know, like when I was younger and you're trying to like choose a course in life, it, it seemed to me if you're going to make an analogy for the universe, you'd call it like a spotlight, right? Like that was the way I thought about it. Like the universe will show you the way and something will manifest itself and, and you'll go down that road. And over the time I, I've realized that it's actually, it's really, it's just a disco ball, right? And there's, and the light that shines on it for, to follow the analogy is like you and I, right? The universe just reflects it back, but it's a broken disco ball because it doesn't ever repeat because that would be boring as shit. Um, so it's really, it's just, it's not that it's indifferent. It's just that it's there and you have to choose the pattern you're going to follow and, and run with it. The universe doesn't give a shit. It just reflects it back. Um, that's kind of the essence of the world is a fucked up disco ball. Broken, nonetheless. Wow. Hmm. I'll send you the essay. So yeah. Like that. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, I'm glad. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'd love to meet. Sounds like another episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's an interesting concept, Tony. I do, I dig that about the, what do you think, Tim? Reflected, broken disco ball. Or no, the, the, that the universe reflects it back. That's really what's standing out for me in that comment. The universe just reflects it back. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't spend a ton of time going super far in the weeds. I know, like, I think what Tony was saying, too, is that it's uh, that the universe is kind of a little bit less interested in us than we're making it seem uh, <laughs> or that it is a little less conscious and kinda yeah. a little bit more random in the way that things. So there is uh, I do also have a sense uh, there's part of me that thinks it's a bit of a combination of both. Like I think that there is some randomness and there is some, yeah, uh, almost like apathy and uninterest. Like the the universe is not that as concerned in us as we might think it. You know, as human beings, thinking that we are kind of special in a particular way, uh, and maybe the chosen or whatever. But um, but then also my experience in life and through connection and some of these different spiritual experiences that I can't quantify and how they happened or why they happened or why I met this person or why I got on that ferry boat and came and met you, Dwayne. And we were just mm -hmm. all of a sudden just by coincidence, like right where you yeah. were in your life. And we had never really hung out before. And now I show up on a motorcycle on this thing and it just all kind of worked yeah. out and connections that happened in that moment. Like I can't chalk yeah. that up to coincidence. And the more I've practiced it, the more it's actually become a working skill in my life. Now it's a yeah. thing that we almost rely on and count on. So that leads me to believe more that it's a little bit more interested or there's a little bit more universal input into my life than just the random array of reflected light from a broken disco ball. You know, I think that there's, there's both, you know, I don't know how you would quantify that or explain the existence of both truths being um but yeah that's kind of my thought on it yeah well and, it, and it's very true like you know and it, even even explaining or you know we we had that i i forayed down the road of the the trees missing homes because of energetic awareness and things like that like like what is random and what is uh divinity or creation you know like that it's it's almost the debate between creation and evolution almost what we're talking about you know because uh, there has to be some order to something there clearly is the sun the the moon the cycles there, there's orders to things there's a certain cycle of life but yet there's a lot of randomness in amongst it all mm -hmm. you know so i i I can't help but think it's got to be a blend of it as well. You know, and, and, and the, a lot of it's so much like what reflects back to you is so often what you're putting out or very much what you're putting out. Yeah. Right. So, so whatever light, whatever input there is, is going to reflect the output. And, uh, you know, maybe in 20 years, Tony, you're, you'd, you'd, you know, if you read that very essay, you might, you might change it a little bit because of where you're at yourself. Who knows? Right. Who knows? And it, it's, then it doesn't invalidate it. That's the other thing. It, it's just, it's it's all of, uh, at the stage we're at, right? It's quite interesting. It, it's not like it's not like we conduct our podcast, whether it be Tree Actions or the podcast that is yet to be named, under any set of circumstances or rules, anyway. So it doesn't make any difference. We're all fine. But I do thank you coming on, Tim, and uh, and joining us. It was fun. Yes, yes, absolutely, Tim. Thank you so much, and let's do it again. And